0: hey school success makers welcome to another edition of the school success podcast i'm your host mitchell slater and joined by a new friend out of the great state of minnesota jacqueline lewin who is the head of school at alexandria community christian school in alexandria minnesota i got connected with her on linkedin got to dive into what they're doing at their school and her and herself personally. And I was like, okay, we got to have her on the podcast. I love hearing from head of schools and seeing what's working and what's not. And so we're going to dive into all of that today on today's episode. But before I do that, I am going to pass it off to her to introduce herself. So Jacqueline, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks
1: for having me. This is exciting and fun. Communications is a part of my background. So I love that this is an opportunity I get to have.
0: See, now everybody's going to be more critical of you because you said that. So they're going to be like, I don't know, she didn't say that right. She used too many ums and filler words and all that. So we'll see. But we're going to have a blast today. And I always start with the same question for every guest. I always say, if I was to visit you and your school in Alexandria, Minnesota, or even just Minnesota in general... What would you say, Mitchell, you got to do this to experience our area in full swing? Because I've actually never been to Minnesota before. So what would you say I have to do? Yeah. So
1: if you're going to come to Alexandria and you are flying into Minneapolis and driving up highway 94, you would certainly see the billboard sign that says, welcome to Alexandria. Easy to get to hard to leave. That is our motto. And part of that's because we have several lakes. We're kind of a lake community. So I think just within city limits, there's five lakes. And lots of people come up here to get away from the busy city and be in the more relaxing small town of, you know, 13,000 people that we live in. So that would definitely be an experience. Our downtown is very unique and maybe you would feel like you step back in time. And we just have a pretty unique culture also of a lot of people who grow up in Alexandria, come back and live in Alexandria, because it's a very, even though it's not, I grew up in an actual small town, a thousand people. Alexandria has the small town feel without having to be super small town. Like we do have a target (laughs) key, key factor. And then we have just a very unique community that has a lot of Christian influence. And I get to work at a Christian school and being in a community that has a strong Christian ethos is a blessing. And we are very fortunate for that.
0: Awesome. Well, you mentioned Target and that means my, I already know it's one tick mark for a yes that my wife and I could live there. Cause she would be like, oh, it doesn't have a Target. We're not living there. Uh, it would be the hard winters that she would say, no, we lived in Alaska for many years. We're not doing that again. So but Target, that's a check mark. So that's good. And People go oh, Maybe I'm good go to there. go.
1: Yeah. And it's not Alaska. So it's not, but I will say it's the good. winters are a challenge. <laughs>
0: I think you guys, honestly, at least where I was in Alaska, you probably get more snow than we had, but I bet you our winters are longer because they start so early and go so long, but I don't know. I I bet you, you end up probably getting more snow, but I don't know. How much snow do you guys get every uh, year?
1: You know, last year we had like seven snow days, so it was a lot of snow. It seems, sure. call it global warming, I don't know, whatever your beliefs are on that, but it seems like the snow starts later in the year, and so we end mm-hmm. up getting a lot of snow in March and April when we're definitely all ready for winter to be over with. <laughs> but then the summers are amazing. So the there's that redemptive part of it that keeps people here.
0: Good. Well, I'll add it to the list. I, I've, I would love to, I love to go to a, a Vikings bears game. I'm a diehard Chicago bears fan. So maybe go, maybe I'll make a trip to the dome and go watch a Vikings. Yeah,
1: game. Okay. Yeah. It's now us bank stadium dome doesn't exist. So.
0: Wait, is it not a dome
1: anymore? Well, it's it's a new stadium, so it's totally different. You have to. Come check oh, it out. I,
0: yeah, because it's not the it's a metro, is that what they call metro dome? Yeah, right. Yep. and yeah. Okay.
1: I, I think, and I'm not a football person, so someone's gonna like type in like that. Lady doesn't know what she's talking about. I believe they took the dome down and just rebuilt the stadium completely.
0: I mean, that's probably when it fell from snowfall. I remember that was from a. Oh, yeah. I think that was you guys. maybe there was so whoa. Well, Getting off track really quickly, but I do remember that when it fell and the snow was in the whole stadium and all that. But okay, fun stuff. Food. What would I try in food? What's Minnesota known for 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 food? Anything? Um, you hot
1: dish. People, I think in other parts of the country call it casserole, but lots of hot dishes. So probably tater tot hot dish would be at least Midwest, if not Minnesotan. So that's ground beef cream of mushroom soup whatever mysterious vegetables you want to put in and then tater tots on the top. Yep. Okay. I would say that's classic Minnesotan. You wouldn't find it at a restaurant though. You'd have to like be invited to someone's house.
0: Okay. So it's a super popular but not in a restaurant. So that's interesting.
1: No. So I would say otherwise it's like traditional like burgers and Okay. Lots of farms and farmers wholesome farm to table food.
0: Hey, school success makers. Just a really quick break from the episode to highlight our amazing sponsors over at America's Christian Credit Union. They are celebrating 65 years of service this year and they provide essential school banking services and a tuition financing program for schools looking to reduce their risk and administrative burden. And you guys can find out all about them on their website, americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. That's americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools. They are amazing over there. And I always like, to say, if you're a school that collects tuition and you have a hard time collecting all of tuition at the end of the year, maybe it comes around May, June, you're like, man, we only got collected 95 or 98% of what tuition was owed to our school. One of the things you can do is have your parents get a tuition financing loan through the credit union, and then they pay the credit union directly, and you get your funds up front at the beginning of the year as the school, so you don't have to chase people throughout the year, and you can focus on what you do best, and that is loving and educating your students, and it doesn't cost your school anything to do it, so check them out online, americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools all right back to the show okay i i I love that type of food so perfect well hey we'll dive into the 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 nitty-gritty content of today's episode before we dive in let's hear about your school let's hear about also you and your journey to get to where you are so people can kind of see those that are listening like okay how did jacqueline get to where she's at so background and then into the school uh itself yeah
1: So I went to school to be a teacher because a lot of teachers had a huge influence on my life and I wanted to be able to have influence on other students' lives to give back. And I really actually, for a while, struggled between wanting to be a missionary and a teacher. And then I learned about international education, where you could be a teacher and a missionary and get paid. And I was like, that's beautiful. (laughs) So in that same time period, I met my husband. And he had lived overseas and worked at a school in South Korea. And we had very similar visions and missions for life. And we were like, hey, why don't we do this together instead of separately? So we got married and moved over to South Korea worked at an international school there for seven years the first few years i taught english and then the latter years we actually were dorm parents so we had 36 teenagers who lived with us and our toddlers and i learned a lot about kids and how they work and parents and parenting and lots of things but i still got to teach and so that was really amazing and then about 12 years ago we moved back to minnesota to be around family and I was home with my kids for almost a decade. During that time, I'm I'm really, a lot of my giftings are in knowledge and learning and wanting to know more. So being home was a bit of a challenge sometimes. So I decided to get my master's and that was kind of my outlet. I got my master's in teaching and learning. And then my kids started school and I, started teaching a little bit part-time here and there. And there wasn't really a great fit for me. I felt in my community for what I wanted to do. I had taught some part-time like university classes and different things and taught middle school. And it just felt like there wasn't a great fit. So had a little conversation with God about like, why did you give me all this experience in education? If this isn't really going to work. And in that process, he gave me some ideas for a book. So I was like, well, I guess I'll write a book and see where that takes me. And a lot of that was based on just what I know about how the brain works, but also what I know about the Bible. And then hearing a lot of people just struggle to know what God's made them to do. So the book is really about understanding how your experiences and your personality and your God-given gifts and your talents and your relationships are all things God uses to say, here's your mission and purpose, run with it. So that's what I was planning on doing. And then there was the school in town that had been around for a while and I had been on their school board and volunteered some, but wasn't super invested there, just helped as I could. And their administrator had decided to resign and they were looking for someone and I wasn't really looking to move into an administration at that point. My kids were still fairly young and I wasn't sure that's what I wanted, but they did a search and couldn't find anyone. And my other hesitancy was I had never, I've never taught anything younger, kids younger than fifth grade. And the position was for K-12 administrator. And I did not feel confident in helping elementary teachers do their job because I really knew very little about what an elementary teacher did other than I always knew that I never wanted to be an elementary teacher. (laughs) And so I found a friend at church who had a background in elementary education. And she's like, well, if you apply and we apply together, maybe they'll take both of us and then you, you know, we'll specialize. And I was like, okay, deal. So that's what we did. Went to the board and said, we're a package deal. <laughs> you have to take us both or neither of us because she had no experience with high school. Um, and this was right when COVID hit. And so also we were navigating getting a school to stay open during covid and also being new to administration and really that first year was how do we survive how do we do this but also what do we need to do to be innovative the school was really struggling to keep to increase enrollment and i knew that if i was going to leave there that things would probably have to look a little bit different as far as how the academic academics were structured and so asked the board like you know, if I if if I take on this role, do I have permission to adjust things to be probably very different than what they have been in the past so that we can see if a different model would help the school to thrive. And I would say that has been a big part of our success. At that time, I think there were maybe 50 kids in the school, and we're now at like 75-ish, so we're still really small. But I think that's important for people to know in that you don't have to be a huge school to innovate and still meet the needs of especially high school kids who are needing electives, needing to explore what they're good at, what they're not good at, what they like, having a variety of relationships uh, with adults because I know everybody's high school experience is a little bit different. But for me, I connected with a couple of teachers and maybe not with other, other teachers And had i not had the teachers that i connected with i think my high school experience would have been been very different and it wasn't like bad that i didn't connect with say my math teacher that just was that's just how it was so a big part of that was kind of deconstructing how we look at employing teachers and instead of hiring full-time teachers for our 7th through 12th grade it was looking into our community and seeing if we could hire part-time people who specialized in certain subjects and as a private school we prefer to hire licensed teachers especially for our core content classes but for electives you do not need to have a licensed teacher so what i started looking at was like what are the who are the professionals in our community or what are the resources in our community that um, people are already doing teaching in that could come into our classroom who are the stay-at-home moms with teaching degrees that don't want to work part-time. They really do just want to work you know, every other day or whatever that looks like. Can we create a model that brings people in who don't want a full-time teaching job or who are resourced in other ways so that our low (laughs) salary doesn't have to provide for their family? So we switched the model and went from five full-time staff to, I think, 19 part-time staff with some people working maybe one trimester and not the next two. Or we have the extension office if, I don't know if other states have like through their university and education branch within each county, but we have something called the University of Minnesota Extension Services in each county. And within that, there are educators who help to educate kids through 4-H typically, but it doesn't have to be through 4-H on horticulture or nutrition or whatever. So like our home at classes, I was able to have someone come in from that organization to teach those. So we started off with like, here we go. I don't know if this will work, but here's my idea. The worst that can happen is that it doesn't work and we're in the same spot as we are right now, or it works. And as of right now, it seems like It's working. I think we're still highly under-resourced, which I know one of the questions is the challenges, and that would be one of them. But for what we have and for where we're at as the size of school we are, I think we offer a ton more electives and opportunities than a lot of schools do. And that's because we just have a great community who bought into the idea, and it's fun.
0: Love it. All right, there's a lot to unpack there, and you are right. We when we I love your background. I love that you went to you were serving in South Korea with your husband and started with your toddlers learning all that, and then being in that that world. I think that's really really cool and eye opening for them, and hopefully a big memory for their for them as even though they were young. But as you got over back into Minnesota and got involved in the school, I love that you switched it the, the model of like employees. And I actually hadn't heard I haven't heard that, I'm sure if somebody's done this, but I had never heard of it before specifically on the podcast. So as we kind of break out break it up into two separate areas I heard some really cool wins and I think that's going to kind of fall into that area but if we do structure it in the way we usually do it like challenges let's talk about a couple of the ones that kind of come to mind I know we'll kind of I want to dive into a couple of the ones that I heard that we're going in my opinion, going really good for you. Yeah. But we'll start with like the challenges piece. Are there a couple that kind of come to mind that you guys are up against that you're kind of battling right now?
1: Yeah. So that model works super well for the high school, for elementary. You really do need full-time teachers that are there all day. And so we can't really work that structure down into the elementary, which then for being in what I would call an under-resourced school, it's hard to retain staff for a long period of time because they need to make more money or they need to go somewhere else where they have benefits or once they start having kids, they can't afford daycare and to work. So that would be a challenge. And then with this model, as a head of school, it's a lot of logistics and scheduling and contact time because it isn't like, here's the schedule for the here for the year and this teacher is in room 1B and this teacher is in room 2C. There is a lot of flexibility and communication and logistics and grace and patience that have to go with the fact that there are up to 22 people that I'm working with who have other jobs or other commitments. And we need to figure out how to make that work within our schedule and what our students need and like our normal day to day. Well, making sure that it's still a value to them. Right. Because even as a part-time teacher or even a volunteer, I believe that they won't return if they don't feel that what they're doing is valuable and life-giving. So making sure that however they are experiencing, our culture has those components along with what the students are experiencing and that they're learning. So getting everybody on the same page and communication, it's a lot. And so you have to know that going in, like you have to answer emails, Within 25 hours you have to be on top of lots of those things. Otherwise, people won't know what's going on and it'll be pretty chaotic. And there are days when it's chaotic, but
0: no. Most
1: chaotic? days are not Mondays. <laughs>
0: yeah. Good. Well, I you I know you mentioned you'd never been an administrator before. So I'm sure that, that was a challenge and probably still is a challenge. Are you doing anything that is, you know? diving into different ways to learn different pieces. Are you taking online trainings? Like what, what are you kind of done to try and learn a different piece? So maybe somebody's listening and going, I've never been an administrator, but I've thought about Mm -hmm. wanting to be one. Maybe some pieces and advice on that side.
1: Yeah. I would say first, I don't know. There's a lot of people that want to be administrators, but God calls you to it. And so You'll know, I think, that God's built you for that because likely probably somewhere else in your life, you have some, you know, some signs of being administrative. So pay attention to that. I have been super blessed that I just have this network of amazing people within the Christian education world. And I don't know if this is a Minnesota nice thing or if this is a Christian education, collaborative type thing. Um, But not long after I got into leading, there was a Christian education collaborative group that was meeting in the Twin Cities, which is two hours from us. So it's not close. Um, But having lived overseas and having lived in a big city, one of my things that I need is to get out of town sometimes. So it's like, great, I'm going to sign up for this thing and I'm going to go and learn and I went and met with you know a bunch of educators that I obviously don't see on a daily basis, but I left realizing that why couldn't I collaborate with the Christian educators in my own little town? Cause there's two other Christian schools in our town. And so I reached out to the admin of both of those schools and was like, do you guys like ever, would you ever just wanna get together for coffee? Would you ever just wanna talk about what we could do help each other and both of them wrote back like we love that we've never had any collaboration between our three schools before it's always been pretty siloed and it's like great let's get a date on the calendar so that was probably a year ago in august and we've met pretty much every month for coffee and i learn a lot we talk i mean we talk about logistical things like who do you have check your fire alarms all the way to like what are what language arts curriculum are you using or what standardized tests but then we also all three of us are the only, and we're kind of leading our schools somewhat on our own, right? Like there's just us, there's not a superintendent. And then three other principals, there's just us leading. So we get to be collaborative in that way. And then my high school biology teacher and athletic director actually works for the Minnesota Department of Ed and he coaches principals. And so once he learned that I was in administration, he's like, hey, this is my whole job, you just set up a time with me whenever you need to ask questions about your job. And he is one who's like, I don't know that I would even take the time to get an admin degree at this point because you're doing everything that you need to do and the things that you have questions on, you probably can find answers to. So unless you really want to do that because you want that certificate hanging in your office, I don't know that you need it because you're going to learn everything on the job that you need. So there's that. And then we are accredited through the, it's called ACSI Association of Christian Schools International. And so I've happened to be able to link arms with three other administrators in Minnesota who are also ACSI schools. And we have a running email board of questions. And, hey, do you have a manual for this? So God has... Abundantly provided that for me, walking into a position that I definitely was not pre-equipped for in the natural, natural sense of the word. So,
0: good, yeah. good. Well, I've noticed the schools we've been working with, the that community is, whether it's Christian or even non-Christian, like they, they kind of come beside each other and as administrators and as just educators to help. So I'm, it sounds like that's happened, and I'm glad that's happened. And I know that you will obviously you've probably already repaid that. To other people of helping them, and that's it's encouraging to know that that's even out there. It's obviously well, even one of the reasons we I wanted to do this podcast is just another resource out there for educators to hopefully learn little nuggets from people who are doing something that maybe they never thought of before and well,
1: and kids benefit, and I think that's what's different a lot of times in education is everything that that we try to do really the end result should be a benefit for kids, the community, or their families, or the church and so it does often feel like what we're doing collaboratively is far beyond like just a personal, like I'm helping you out. It's I'm helping these kids have a better future. And I think that's unique and a great thing to be a part of on really hard days.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, this might sound semi cliche, but it's, it is truly generational impact what these schools are a part of. And that's also, that can be good. And that can be extremely bad. Mm -hmm. So as you say, take a you know, a really bad school, a generational impact of not doing a great job, loving these students and getting them set up for success. And then that's passed on to kids and generations after. But it's also the flip side of being a really good teacher educator and pouring into these families and they feel equipped and they can go lead a family like both sides of that is huge. And I, I love the I heard this earlier this year about how education's like the only industry Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, it's not the only, okay, let's be honest, but it's one of the only one of, let's say that only industries that touches every person in the world, like like education, you know, and I love that every person's going to have to, even if they're in other countries that don't have maybe a school per se, they're, you're going to be educated in some capacity with something. it's like, I want to help be a part of that in some way. And so it's a high calling that these teachers have. And I love that you have that calling and you love these students while they need that and I love trying to be a part of it in some capacity like what we're doing right, right. now. Right,
1: and I mean, I think in almost every newsletter that I send out, it's just a reminder that today's students are tomorrow's leaders. So when I'm 60, the kids that I'm training up and equipping right now, they're they're gonna be the ones leading. So do do I have time to invest in what their future is so that they can lead well once we're done and we hand off the baton? That's really important and it affects all of us, whether we invest or, or don't. And it's also super biblical, like from generation to generation, like they're going to either repeat what you did or you can help them do things differently. And they're going to not repeat it if you help them not to.
0: Yeah. yeah. I wrote on up, I was uh, reading a book this past week and it, it's called Habits of the Household. I just started it, but it's just about like starting good habits in your household. It's pretty straightforward. And it was mentioning that you, you are your habits uh, as a person, but your kids are you. Like they're going to, they're obviously in this, people can say, oh yeah, that makes sense. But like, we are our habits, whatever those are good habits or bad habits, but our kids are looking to us and our students are looking to us of like, what are they doing? What are they looking like? And so I'm like, I want good habits. So my son and my mm-hmm. people under me are looking up and getting good good getting set up for success and have good habits. And I'm like, hmm, I need to pick my habits very carefully, like what I'm doing. Yeah. And I
1: would say, you know, a big thing for our family and for our school is just being taking the values, right? Like your core values and determining what habits are necessary to exhibit the values that you have. So as a family, I've been super blessed to be a part of something called Servant Leadership. And Servant Leadership is founded right here in Alec by someone, Mark Dieterding started it. But he walks you through making your own personal vision mission statement values, and then walks families through creating a vision mission values, and then also like for your organization. And so I've been able to do all three of those. And the first was actually with our family, so in our family, we came up with these four or five core values. And then under those values listing, like what actions would demonstrate we're actually living out these values. And we've made some you know pretty big decisions over the last 10 years. And there have been times where we just sit down with our kids and we're like, okay, you guys know, these are our five values. And we know that you're maybe not going to like this decision, but we're going to show you how this decision lines up with our values. And it's not going to feel good and you maybe not gonna like it at first, but we do really believe this is a values-based decision. And we believe that God's called us to these values and these actions as a family. And that's been huge for our family, but also then that's helped me with my leadership in our organization to just like, my organization is just another big family that needs leading and loving and care. And they need to know what's consistent because there's so many things, there are lots of circumstances, right? can change from from day to day or from year to year but the values really shouldn't really shouldn't change that much. So our board probably 3 years ago went through a training on like here's our five values, here's the habits that show we're living those values, here's the verses that go with those values. And I would say after 3 years, this is the f- this is the year that I get to finally see fruit like I hear kids using the words from our values or when I sit down and talk about decisions that need to get made the values are the boss i'm not the boss and then that you know eventually if i'm not in leadership anymore in theory hopefully the values get to still stay the same even if the people change adding some stability to the organization and to the tradition of the school or whatever happens so i think that would be one one piece of advice for leaders out there like if you haven't had the time or taken the time to have a really solid person come in and help you define your values and not just the word and the phrase, but like what's gonna actually exhibit the hat, what what habits should you see in every kid by the time they graduate that show they have been trained in these values Um, to do that. Because for me as a leader, I can make decisions slightly more decisively when I can defend that they are in line with our values. But if we didn't have values, then I'm trying to defend the decisions that I make based on personal pref. Like what, what are these based on? And then you might feel like you're constantly changing how you make decisions, but it really grounds the, the leadership and the board and whatever committees. And it's like, okay, values are the boss. How do we make decisions? Somebody has a great idea. You can be like, well, show me how this lines up with our values and if they can't then it's like well that's a great idea it just doesn't fit our culture right now or that's a great idea you need to go and think about how does how how could you make it fit into our values and come back and talk to me about it or your pep rally cheer last year ours was you have to put the school values to a song and it was pretty hilarious (laughs) what some of the kids came up with so you know
0: Hey school success makers, just a really quick break from the episode to highlight our amazing sponsors over at America's Christian Credit Union. They are celebrating 65 years of service this year, and they provide essential school banking services and a tuition financing program for schools looking to reduce their risk and administrative burden. And you guys can find out all about them on their website, America's forward slash schools. That's America's forward slash schools. They are amazing over there, and I always like to to say, if you're a school that collects tuition and you have a hard time collecting all of tuition at the end of the year, maybe it comes around May, June, you're like, man, we only got collected 95 or 98% of what tuition was owed to our school. One of the things you can do is have your parents get a tuition financing loan through the credit union, and then they pay the credit union directly, and you get your funds up front at the beginning of the year as the school, so you don't have to chase people throughout the year, and you can focus on what you do best, and that is loving and educating your students, and it doesn't cost your school anything to do it, so check them out online, americaschristiancu.com forward slash schools all right back to the show that reminds me of youth camp right there mm-hmm. saying like hey, you got to make up a chant or whatever i remember we were i geez so many memories just flooded through my head as you said that chant thing. so like i we had a i gotta share it now see real nice. quick see this is good this is, and songs and chants are good and i'm super extrovert to the core and so when they're like and it was a competition, so I'm like, let's do this. Like, I'm gonna win with my and I wasn't even a kid, I was the youth pastor at that point. For I was like, all right, guys. So we came up with a fun name, and we were the super duper pooper. No, I remember. It was I remember we were the super duper solar so, solar power sweet and sour half an hour spotted spies, and we served our savior solely with strength and satisfaction. That was what it was. See, and that was ten years ago, and, you, and I still remember
1: yes, alliteration, uh, so, rhythm, and uh, relationship. You can remember a lot if you have those three things as a part of what you're doing. But
0: so you need some core values. So if schools listening, You need some core values. You need a mission statement. You need these things of like what, why do you do what you do? And if you bonus points if the students start remembering those and saying them and, and as a as a leadership team, I mean like why why I love having it on my side with my team is you know we such, something comes up that I need to make a decision on to go this doesn't align with our like it doesn't align with us. So it's a no instead of just like you said using personal preference to make a decision that could be bad. It's like, no, it actually just doesn't align with what we're doing. That's a no. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you can feel confident in saying these yeses and no's when you have actual direction of where you're you're trying to go.
1: Yeah, it helps a ton.
0: This is this is a good segue into what's going really good, honestly, cuz this is good and I love that I really like that you were sharing the part about the part-time teachers. I think it's super unique and it sounds like that's been going really well. Uh, any others even if you want to dive into that more you can, but like what else Maybe comes to mind, or we, we kind of touch base. Maybe just a couple things for this part.
1: Yeah, figure out how to add value to your community, because I think, or or I just know as a you know part of my job is to do fundraising. Right, we pretty much need to raise like two hundred plus thousand dollars a year just to make budget. So we're pretty much always asking for money and lots of you know, different ways. And so it can seem like as a Christian school, you're just taking in resources. And I think people willingly want to give and they are generous, but also being very aware of, okay, so maybe we're not monetarily giving back to our community in that sense, but what can we do to add to the value of our community or what can we do to serve our community and help our students, be a part of making our, our greater community, not just our little school community, a better place. So one thing we did last year is we teamed up with the other 2 parochial schools and we did a service project with all three of our schools on Valentine's day and went out in the community, handed out Valentine's and cookies and went to the post office and library, like common places, just, I think to teach our kids to serve, but also to be in the community, being the representation of unity. Like if, If kids can work together, guys, like maybe as adults, we can work together too. So finding ways to add value to your community, rather than just being the ones who are taking in resources from the community. Another thing that has helped us with stability, and this is pretty unsparkly, you know, it's not super fancy and no one will probably ever know that we did it. We did not have a lot of great grounding for our board as far as policies and we took a year and a half, I think it took us a year and a half, we uh, really buckled down and chose a specific governance model. It's called the Carver Model of Governance. I think it's a unique governance structure for schools, maybe a little bit more often used in business but it walks you through a very specific way to set up your organization to separate operations from like vision and governance. And it creates really specific lanes for your board versus your staff. And for us, that's been huge in moving forward with being able to make decisions or really to know who gets who makes what decisions at the end of the day and how do we report things and how to keep track of things and how do we hold everybody accountable? That's been really good for us. And I'm sure for a while on outside, it just looked like we weren't doing anything because that's all internal meetings, but it really has set us up to be able to move, move more eloquently. I think through the bigger decisions that we have moving forward, because we are in the process of, looking for land and, and we changed our name and we've done a lot of changing and different things to adapt to whatever God has for us next. And it has required a lot of faith and decision-making and we needed to make sure we knew how we make decisions in order to even start to move forward in some of those decisions. So if I would say, especially if you're thinking about starting a school, your most important thing maybe isn't at first figuring out your curriculum and your schedule. Your most important thing is to figure out your board structure, how you're going to make decisions, who's in what lane, who wait, who makes what decisions, because at the end of the day, if you don't have that groundwork done, it's going to get really murky once you start to grow and once you start to make decisions. And then in that, making sure that you put the decision maker, you know, the best decision maker for that category in, into position. So curriculum, right? Like the decision makers on the curriculum should be largely the people who are implementing the curriculum and using the curriculum. That'd be the teachers and the, and the staff. So it seems really simple and like, oh yeah, but the work of putting together board policies isn't fun. Not a lot of people want to sign up to be on a board where that's what the plan is for the next 18 months because it's the fruit of it isn't super evident in the beginning. So that'd be one piece of advice, especially if you're starting or if you're rebranding a school or whatever you're doing, getting those pieces in place really helps your leader to
0: survive. (laughs) Well, you're getting ahead of me. See, my last question is supposed to be a piece of advice. So now I got to ask it again. You got to come up with another Another one. one. So as we, as we wrap it up, if you do have another one, I will, I'll I'll, I'll ask it again for anything that comes to mind for you got, we got teachers, we got school administrators, school leaders that are listening. If there's something that kind of comes to mind for another one, if you have one piece of advice for them listening, what would you, what's coming to mind that you want to. I
1: think I would steal Craig Rochelle's phrase where he says every, everybody benefits when the leader gets better. Right. Or some, he says it a little differently. And this, Wouldn't just be me talking. I know other heads of school would say this same thing as a leader, taking the time that you need to, for me as a Christian, spending time in my Bible, in the morning prayer, being structured and administrative, but also open to the spirit to guide in those things is important. I probably spent a good two years every morning reading a proverb. And I just needed so much wisdom that wasn't available in my natural world. And for some reason, and I know it's the Holy Spirit, like the Proverbs really literally spoke to me on decisions that that I needed to make. But I had to set aside that time right in the morning, whether that was at 4.30 or 5.30 or whatever time, making sure that even in the midst of serving everybody else and doing the tasks that needed to get done that I was letting the Lord minister to my heart. And I can tell when there's a week where things get a little bit crazy and I'm not getting that time in it's my perspective on the world is not the best. And then combining that with um, my run. So that's really my therapy too. And I run with some friends and a lot of my friends have no connect that I run with have no connection to my job or my church and so it's a really safe place for me to really process the really hard things because I don't think I mentioned this. my, my husband's also a pastor. so our, our family's life is really public and we sometimes don't feel like we have a place where, we're, where it's just safe to talk about what's hard. So for me, those, those two things, like making sure that I make time for being in the Bible and sitting with Jesus and then making time for exercise and being with friends who I can be 100% authentic with has really been pretty key to taking on a leadership role right in the middle of COVID in the school that was struggling to be successful And then re, you know, revamping all of it all in a season where I wasn't, I was not looking for this job. Like I wasn't, I did not ask God, like, could you please give me a school leadership role? (laughs) So whatever that looks like, it might look different for everybody, but I do think the Bible, like there's lots of great Christian books out there and there's lots of leadership things out there, but just getting in the, the word and letting it speak to you for that day is super
0: important. Love it, Jacqueline. Thank you. Thank you for taking one time out of your day to hop on the podcast, and thank you for just your your years of already being administration where you are. I know that is a it's a not a easy job, and it is a stressful job. And so I know you're there day in and day out. So I just want for me to you to say thank you for what you're doing for those students. I'm sure they all love you, and I'm sure the families love you. So keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I'm wishing you guys nothing but the best. And obviously, we're here as a resource if there's ever anything we can do to help. But if I'm ever up in Minnesota, I'm gonna let you guys know. I'm gonna swing by. I'm gonna try some of this uh, this
1: tater tot hot, hot dish.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try some of this food. I gotta try. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me, Mitchell. I appreciate it, and I hope that it's beneficial to other school leaders out there. And I'm excited to listen in on future sessions so I can learn. I love learning. Love hearing new ideas, especially from outside of Minnesota or globally. I <laughs> I love all the information. So.
0: Love it. Thanks, Jacqueline. Yeah, have a good day. Well, another huge shout out and a thank you to Jacqueline for taking time and being on the podcast today. I love what she's doing up there in Minnesota. wishing them nothing but the best as they continue to grow and educate the next generation that's coming behind us. And just like we mentioned on the podcast today, she had some really cool insight on different things that they have tried out. I love the idea of going from the however many it was full-time staff to now I think it was 19 or 16 part-time staff. Like what a great different way of going about it. So as always, I'm always wanting you guys take at least one thing away from today's episode that you can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. Now we have some great resources for you that we want to make sure you guys are getting plugged into. I've been telling people like, Hey, we have three great resources that you guys need to check out. First one is of course what you're listening to right now, which is our podcast free every week with great insights and interviews, and we're going to continue to bring you guys these episodes, and I want to make sure you're, you're chiming into those. The other one is our free private Facebook community called School Success Makers. If you're not already a part of that community, go over there and join it. I'm personally in there, and I'd love to see you in there as well. It's called School Success Makers, so go over there and join that, ask a question in there, chime in, get to know some of the other school leaders across the, the country. We do have some international ones in there, so I guess across the world. That sounds cool. All right, and then the last one is make sure you're getting our, our weekly school success report that goes out you can sign up for that on our website schoolsuccessmakers.com there's a call to action there where you can sign up to get it want to make sure you're not missing out there's some great articles we're doing some teacher shout outs and school administrator shout outs on there we have some really cool resources that the team has put together our team has been hard at work at that so make sure you are getting that every week when that goes out and we'll be back here with some great content next week as well guys if there's anything you guys can think of that we could do better or things you'd like to see new new guests new content anything hey let us know fill out a form on our website let us know if there's anything you'd like to see different or somebody you'd like to have interviewed and guys we'll be back here next week with another amazing guest as usual on the school success podcast we'll see you then